Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is Thursday, February 4th, 2021. Just want to start off, quick shout out, Jeff McGinnis. It was a pleasure talking to him last Tuesday. Hope everybody that was able to tune in enjoyed it. Uh, it's great to learn about some of the guys you grew up watching. Obviously, as you all know, I'm 25. Watched Jeff, what, 15, 16 years ago. So to speak to him was really exciting and Tim Alcorn, uh, what, what can I say? He's a very nice guy. We've spoken a couple of times uh, before uh, even doing this interview uh, for the show. Very nice guy. Uh, both All the Cavs announcers are. And we're lucky as a fan base to have you know such genuinely kind people leading the broadcasts. But anyway, into today's agenda. I'll be talking about Andre Drummond and Jared Allen. What the lack of three-point shooting might be due to the progress of uh, Garland and Sexton. The upcoming tough schedule, looking at Kevin Love's role when he returns, and the potential all-star status of Colin Youngbull Sexton. But starting right off at the top, Andre Drummond versus Jared Allen. How should the Cavs proceed? So without even talking about the last several games, I have a couple of numbers here. Offensive win shares. Jared Allen is at 1.8. Andre Drummond is at negative 0.5. And again, this is covering Allen's time with both the Nets and the Cavs. I don't see any issue with blending them together. Value over replacement player for Allen, 0.7. Drummond, it's 0.2. Net plus minus for the year. Jared Allen, 3.2. Drummond, negative 0.5. Offensive plus minus, 2.3 Allen, negative 0.8 Drummond. Win shares, 0.23 for Allen, 0.67 for Drummond. Defensive win shares, Drummond actually ranks higher. He's lower in offensive win shares. You know, generally speaking, we look at the offensive and defensive rating. This is incredible. Jared Allen's offensive rating, 137, probably because he's more of just a guy that's going to finish around the rim throw down lobs, and take high-percentage shots. Drummond is going to force the issue at times. Allen also has a higher defensive rating while committing fewer fouls, far fewer turnovers, and serving as a better rim protector. So what what did the Cavs do? I mean, last night, a tale of two centers. Let's look at this. Jared Allen was plus 11 in 25 minutes, 7 points, 9 boards, 5 assists, a steal, 2 blocks. Andre Drummond, 13 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 4 of 13 from the floor, 3 turnovers, minus 33. There's a difference of 44 between them, from minus 33 to plus 11. Allen played more minutes, was obviously more effective. This is That's pretty shocking. I mean, also, Dylan Windler and Jetty Osman had positive plus minuses off the bench. None of the starters did much. This is just a... Clippers were very good. They made 23s. The Cavs only made four on 10 attempts. So uh, what did we really expect? Anyway, you can't really bench Andre Drummond. Just looking at some of his career numbers from Detroit and to Cleveland, he came off the bench once for the Pistons last year. I think he was late to a practice, and Thon Maker got that start. Other than that, that's the only time he's come off the bench since his rookie season. He's averaged 14 rebounds a game over 619 games. He's generally been a serviceable rim protector, although he goes for too much. His turnover numbers are way up since coming to Cleveland versus what they were his earlier years in Detroit. I mean, Andre does some very good things. I have no doubt about that. But 
Also, there's a lot of bad, and I've advocated for him throughout the year, as most of you know, but I'm on board with a split in minutes. It's not a case where what the Bulls used to do with Taj Gibson and Carlos Boozer, where they'd each play 24 minutes, Boozer gets the whole first and third, Gibson gets the whole second and fourth. That's kind of just a Tom Thibodeau thing where he gives Randall the entire first and third quarter of action and sits him in the second and fourth. But that could work. The only thing with Drummond is that he his he can sometimes take you out of a game. He can also keep you in a game. With Jared Allen, I think you know what you're getting. You're getting a better effort on D, a true rim protector. So maybe start splitting the minutes a little more evenly. Maybe favor uh, the Fro. The Fro got 25 minutes to Drummond's 22 last night. So maybe that will be something to monitor moving forward. It was just it was not pretty for Drummond yesterday. We can't really sugarcoat that. It was just bad. He was bad. So proceed with caution, I guess, as far as Drummond goes and give Jared Allen all the opportunities to earn more minutes, I'd say. Lack of threes. What is going on with, with the Cavs? They, last night, 4 of 10 from 3. I don't, I don't know exactly how or why they just they had nothing going with the three-point game. And yes, Larry was out and Kevin was out, but what what is this? 10 three-point attempts in a modern NBA game? Ordinarily, you know, they're well above that that number. Darius averages four attempts. Larry was out three. Akor almost three. Sexton, four attempts. Jetty, six. Prince is coming over four. Dotson, when he plays, four threes a game. Windler takes a couple, although I wish Dylan Windler would shoot the ball more because he's capable of doing so much. And I just think he's a little gun shy. Not quite sure why. You know, he worked, he earned his way onto the team and into the rotation after missing his entire rookie season. Or supposed rookie season. This is technically his rookie season, but come on. Gotta be a little better than that, man. Yeah, get the threes up for the Cavs. Ten attempts, not gonna cut it. Something's up with the offense. When you have Torian Prince, Darius Garland, and Colin Sexton all in the lineup, that should be a, those are guys that should be taking the three. When has Torian Prince ever not shot the threes? Look at his time in Brooklyn and Atlanta. He loved firing up the long ball. He's got to start doing that. Jetty Osman can't be the only guy confident enough to shoot a three. Just Look, he's not a great shooter, Jetty, but he, I think he's a very good one. When he's on, he's on. You know, I think coming before the Clippers game... Several contests in a row, he came out hot in the early second half. And if not, then right when he comes in off the bench. You know, he, he did hit the three to open the fourth yesterday. But there were just too many misses. Or, excuse me, not, not enough attempts. You're not going to beat anybody shooting 10 threes. The, the Grizzlies in the grit and grind era, their best three-point shooters they ever had were Quincy Pondexter and an old man, Mike Miller. That's very telling. The Cavs have better shooters than that. they got to shoot the threes. But a more positive note about Sexland. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton both going for over 20 points yesterday for the year. Darius averaging 16 and 5 assists. Shooting splits of 46, 43, 90. Not bad at all. 40, 40, 90 season. Almost as impressive as a 50, 50. And then you got Colin averaging 24 points, 4 assists. He's shooting 50% from the floor, 44 from 3, 83% from the foul line. I mean, he's, he's been very good this year. He's had some good games of late. He's been a bit inconsistent. But when he's good, he's good. 
as you guys all know, you know, he can get hot in a hurry. So it's good to see that. But, you know, Colin is has a case for the All-Star game, which we'll get to. By the way, the Cavs at 10 and 12, the projected win-loss 8 and 14. They've had the 12th most difficult schedule to this point in the year. It's only going to get harder, obviously. You know, they're 28th in offensive rating, not good at all. They're 10th in defensive rating. You know, they they do some things well. There's no doubt. They're 4th in attendance, not that there's any competition for that this year. But I really like the progress of both Garland and Sexton. I'd like to see both guys shoot some more from the outside, but Garland showed his ability against both against the Knicks and against the Clippers yesterday that he can get inside and he can take over for long stretches as a scorer. I do want to see more threes and not only floaters in mid-range, but I guess get to your spot and do your thing. For Colin, you know, he's always aggressive. Just want to see that continue. I'd love to see him take some more threes. Usually he wants to be open when he takes it, which is why he goes into the in-between areas where nobody can truly stop him uh, nine times out of ten from at least getting the shot off. You got to set screens for Colin at the top of the key if you want to see him shoot the three. I'd love to. He's pretty solid at hitting shots off balance. I noticed that a little 13-footer he hit leaning to the left against the Clippers yesterday. But, you know, I just want to see both these guys continue to shoot the ball from the outside. There's a lot they do well, and I definitely think they can coexist together. I'm not sure what the Cavs will do in the draft or where their pick's going to be. There's still a lot of basketball to be played this season, 50 games. But I'm excited for what the future holds with them, and I do think that... Cavs are going to win some great games with them. I do think their defense is going to improve. And it's nowhere near the talent level of the Raptors' six-foot, six-foot-one backcourt of Lowry and Van Vliet. But it works. I really think Sexland works. I think Garland and Sexton can be here together and play some great basketball. I have no question about that. Now, let's talk about the Cavs' upcoming schedule. It's not favorable at all. So... From now, I'll just go through every opponent real quick from now to the end of the season. Bucks, Bucks, at home twice. Road trip. Suns, Nuggets, Blazers, Clippers, Warriors. Home against the Spurs, Thunder, Hawks, and Rockets. At Philly, at Houston versus Indiana. No easy games. I mean, the Cavs could go 500 in this stretch. I wouldn't be shocked. They could also go potentially winless, and I wouldn't be shocked. They could win a couple that they're supposed to lose. And that wouldn't be shocked. You know, as Colin said in his Players' Tribune article, they like that, you know, they're starting to make their return to relevance, and he wants teams to fear the Cavs and loves the feeling of coming in saying, oh, the Cavs have no chance, and then winning. It's going to happen a lot. I think the Cavs have a lot of winnable games in spite of this tough stretch. I think that going against the likes of Nikola Jokic will tell you who your center really is. Does Jared Allen play a lot more than Drummond in that game? Because he can probably do a better job with Jokic. Knowing Drummond's inconsistencies for defensive effort, as much as I love the guy, I think he will get eaten alive by Jokic if he's not up into him every time. Against Portland, you know, that's always that's a wild card game. Every game against the Blazers in the regular season is. First off, will CJ be back or not? And if not, then how do you stop Gary Trent from making more threes than your entire roster like PG did? Paul George last night, eight threes, the Cavs four. When you play the Clippers again on Valentine's Day evening, can you figure out what you have to do to win? You know, can you slow Devin Booker in Phoenix? 
Can you keep Stephen Curry from dropping 40 on you as he did twice to Colin during Colin's rookie season a couple years back? Can you limit the Spurs? Can you stop DeMar DeRozan from being a mid-range fiend? Can you stop Shea Gilgis and OKC? Can, can you beat the Hawks again like you did earlier in the year? Houston, I mean, Oladipo and Wall against Garland and Sexton is going to be tough, so can they get past them? And Philly, they beat, but Embiid was out, so if Embiid plays, can, can Drummond or Allen slow him down? Houston again, same story. And then Indiana, I mean, I don't know if they'll have Karras or TJ Warren, but Sabonis the top 10 player this year, it seems, and Malcolm Brogdon's a beast. It's a very tough upcoming schedule. You know, I can't, I'm not going to make win-loss predictions. Those are just some of the things I think that'll be relevant for all these games up until the end of the first half of the season. You know, there have been no makeups announced for the Wizards contests. So we'll see when that happens. About 12 more Cavs games. Oh, wait, not one, two, three, four, five. 14 more Cavs games, rather. You know, let's see how they go. Uh, hopefully, you know, things pan out. Get some nice wins. I mean, look at some of their wins. They have 10 wins, real quick. Minnesota, Detroit, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, Memphis, Atlanta, Philly, Detroit, Charlotte. You know, uh, in ga games they got blown out in. There have been a couple. Indiana beat the Cavs by 20. Magic beat them by 20 as well. Jazz beat them by 30. Celtics by 38. That just never went well. And then the Knicks by 21. Clippers by 22. They've had some bad losses, you just hope. Young team, they learn from it. At some point, though, guys, in, uh, in the coming weeks, Kevin Love should be coming back to the Cavs. And earlier in the year, many folks thought that just get rid of him. Don't bring him back. Larry looks good. The whole team looks great. They're winning without him. No, they, we need Kevin Love. There's no question. For now, at least. And his role when he comes back should be pretty simple. Gunslinger. Just let him fly. Cavs have a hard time making threes right now. Bring Kevin Love in, and that opens up, what, six to eight attempts for him? You got a dangerous big man on the perimeter who they might teams might choose to double. You double Kevin, you swing the ball, you're going to have guys open in the corner or the, or the baseline. Kevin's got to not only be the guy that shoots, he can also be the decoy. We don't need Kevin Love to be that 20-10 and 10 guy like he was during some of the LeBron-Kyrie years. He doesn't have to be an all-star. He does not, not by any stretch. He's only been one since he came to Cleveland. That doesn't matter. Just got to be the guy, you know, that leader, that veteran voice, kind of like JaVale has been in his absence. And it's great to see Kevin's been back with the team. And it stinks that he's been hurt because a couple of years ago he got hurt right at the start of the year as well after playing the majority of last season. So they're definitely missing Kev. Looking forward to watching him get back. His ability to pump fake and draw foul was also exceptional. You know, he's a good rebounder. Having him and Drummond slash Allen together is going to make for a much better effort. Bringing Larry Nance off the bench will help him maximize his defensive ability. That sounds crazy, but I think him going against more second-unit guys will allow him to be even better. Probably won't be leading the NBA in steals by the end of the year as a result of playing a few less minutes. But, you know, maybe if the Cavs are ever feeling bold, they could do a Garland-Sexton with Nance, Love, and Allen slash Drummond. Maybe. You know, you go super big. Probably not, because that would be leaving out Okoro, Windler, Osman, and Prince. But you never know. Kevin Love is a, is a high-impact player. He does a lot of good things for this team. And I'm very excited for him when he comes back. I'm expecting 
probably in the ballpark of... I'm not sure if they're going to give him a full workload when he comes back or if they're going to limit him on back-to-backs. I could see 20 to 30 minutes a game for Kevin Love. And then I don't know how Larry's role changes with all the wings they have. We'll see. Or who leaves the rotation for that matter. Lamar Stevens making a case to stay in, although he probably won't. He'll get his chances throughout the year. We'll see. So can Colin Sexton, wrapping up, can Colin Sexton be an all-star this year? I don't see why not. I don't think he will, though. Colin definitely has a case, and it's what and what I always forget that a lot of you probably do as well. When we do the tweets where it's you give the player's name, then hashtag NBA All-Star, what does that mean? That means we're trying to vote them in as a starter. The fans vote in the starters. In this case, well, the way it works now is the top two vote-getters are captains, and they pick first from the starters and then from the later announced reserves... So every time we do these tweets, we're trying to get Colin in as a starter. There's a very, very slim chance that that actually happens. You know, nevertheless, got to keep it going. Colin's averaging 24 points and four assists. That's very good for a third-year guard, and it's better than what Kyrie averaged in his third year. Here's some of the issues, though. He's competing with the guys like Zach Levine, averaging 27, 5, and 5. With even better shooting average numbers than Connie, shooting 51%, 41 from three, 89 from the line on the Bulls. And the Bulls are about on par with where the Cavs are at this point in the year. That's direct competition. Malcolm Brogdon, who hasn't been an all-star before, is averaging 22 points, four boards, seven assists, shooting 45, 40, 90. Another guy that's just shooting lights out who's a top-tier Defender, you know, if it if it comes down to Jalen Brown, who should be in without the whatever, he's averaging t- 27 points, five and a half rebounds, a career high, four assists, a career high in steals, shooting 52%, 42% from three. I, I mean, there are some unbelievable young guards in the East. And let's just say it came down to Colin versus Trey. A lot of people slander Trey Young, and he's actually had a down year. But for a down year, and we can ignore his shooting numbers because it's not all about that. He's a polarizing guy and what he creates for his teammates. He's averaging 27-4-9 in what's been a down year, seemingly, because the shooting percentages are down. You know, his turnover numbers are still relatively high, but he's still playing great ball. It's it's tough, you know. I really want Colin to be an all-star. And then, if the Nets are probably going to have three All-Stars, Harden, I don't see a reason for Harden to not get in. You know, Kyrie had that hiatus away from the team. But James Harden, this year, is averaging 24-7 and 11 assists. The second time in his career, he's averaging double-digit assists. I mean, just wow, first off. And then, if we want to look at Kyrie, compared to Sexton this year, he's averaging 28-5-6 and six. Shooting 53% from the floor, 45% from three, 95% at the line. That's just, that's just next level. 50, 45, 95 type year. I mean, look, I really want Colin to be an all-star. He has been so good, as I mentioned. He is a bucket getter. He does a lot of good things. But at the end of the day, he's just not going to get in. There's too many other guys that are just probably going to get the votes. Colin will be an all-star before too long. He's taking a leap similar to what Donovan Mitchell did in his third year. 
So last season, I like what he brings. He does a lot of good for the team, and hopefully in the next couple of years, all-star Colin Sexton is born so we can all splurge on the jersey. That'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. It is February 4th. To everybody that tuned in, thank you. If you like the podcast, head over to Apple or Spotify. You can listen to the previous episodes. And if you're so inclined, leave a review of your experience. It is much appreciated. Again, Zach Weiss here saying thanks for listening. I'll see you all again soon.